Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb the sea. again for listening to this episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast. Malk and I would like to invite you to join us this spring at the Peak Run Performance Rocky Mountain Running Retreat from April 30th to May 3rd. That's four days with other runners from around the world running in a beautiful setting and discussing all things running. In addition to that, Malk will be performing gait assessments uh, throughout the weekend and will provide you some feedback about your gait each participant will have the opportunity to wear some of the wearable technologies that Malk has developed and that we've discussed on this show. And with that, he'll be able to provide you with some feedback about some things that you may want to change or adjust or things you want to be aware of to address in training. We'll certainly discuss training, strength training, injury prevention, nutrition, and anything else that you <laughs> Uh, have questions about throughout the weekend as it relates to running. This will be based at a lodge in the Rocky Mountains. The lodge has some lodging options for camp participants, and those are quite inexpensive relative to other um, settings. Um, You don't have to stay at the lodge. You can stay somewhere in town. Uh, There are plenty of hotels and condos and, and other places that you could stay, but um, there will be a limited number of people that will be able to stay in the cabin, um, and this is an opportunity to either bring some a partner or, or a training group out and, and enjoy the trails together, um, stay together, but it's also an opportunity to meet other people from around the world. This is only for adults. It is co-ed, um, but it's, it's for runners of all ambitions and abilities um whether you're a beginner or you're an olympian uh, if you've got an open mind and you want to run in a beautiful place with other like-minded people this is for you uh, and we welcome you for listening to this podcast we want to offer you 10 percent off so if you use discount code asr10 that's asr10 you can um, get 10 percent off your registration of this retreat it will fill up we want to keep the numbers small so that we can give the attention to each participant um, that signs up. So we hope to see you this spring at the Peak Run Performance Rocky Mountain Running Retreat. Welcome back to another episode of the Art and Science of Running. Today we're in Canmore, Alberta with a very special guest, uh, probably the most decorated or one of the most decorated runners, um, I would say, in the world, at least in terms of the variety of distances and surfaces that that he has covered. We're here with Max King. Welcome, Max. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, what I find even most impressive uh, with your resume um, is that even though you've been running for quite a while, um, 
you weren't you weren't a world beater when you started out um <laughs> we uh we both happen to hail from the state of oregon yeah and uh we both have the the fun asterisks next to our names of people that are still running that never qualified for the oregon state track meet <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's hard to get into there are only so many people who make that state track meet and i was not one of them yeah we both happened to uh be fortunate or unfortunate however you, you look yeah. at it to to basically have to be like a NCAA All-American just to get out of our conference meet. That's right. Yep. <laughs> basically, basically you did. Yep. Or, or future Olympian. <laughs> yeah. A future Olympian. That would have helped too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I think that's one of the things that, um, makes you so, um, admirable and relatable is that you weren't born necessarily like just setting records, but that you've, you've actually worked your way to where you're at. And, um, that's not always the case with, with some people who have early success. Yeah. So. You're born with different amounts of talent. And obviously, I mean, we had some, I had some, you know, but it wasn't, took a while to find that true potential through, you know, some, you know, good coaching, hard work, but, um, just kind of more than that, even sticking with it, you know, like that's the one good thing about our sport is the longer you stick with it, the better you get um, endurance, you know, tends to increase for much longer period of time than like your, your native ability, your speed and stuff like that. So, you know, you kind of keep getting better, which is, it's, that's, what's cool about our sport. So you can keep working hard and continue to see those improvements from year to year, as long as you're consistent with it for, for a long time. Yeah. It's inspiring. Um, but it, like you said, it, it, it is something that that we can all improve at regardless of where we start. So, uh, at what age did you start running? Like where, um, I started in, I mean, seventh grade is when I started running a bit, you know, even before that I'd been running around out in the woods for a long time. And, um, that kind of instilled that passion for like trail running and running off trail, even, um, like that I have now is just running off out in the woods. And then, you know, knew that I was going to be a runner when I was in, fifth or sixth grade because of like I could run but like I couldn't play ball sports and stuff so I tried it was not very successful and so then seventh grade started running and then um we had track we didn't have any cross country at that point but then got into high school and um ran cross country and track through high school and college and you know then kept going so what was that process like how did you how did you progress I mean were you were you successful early on in middle school or did it take a while to, to realize that that's what you were going to be good no, at? No, I, I kind of knew like that was my sport and that was what I was going to be good at. I was, um, you know, it's in middle school, so nobody takes it too seriously. You go to district championships, but there is, there was no state meet or anything. And I won districts my, my first year in seventh grade. Um, so I was like, you know, the best in the district or whatever. Um, and then the next year, another guy came along, um, and was better than me. So I was second that year and, but, and then we proceeded to race each other each and every year after that throughout high school, um, along with, you know, all of the newcomers that came in and stuff like that. So, you know, kind of those, those early years, like when you start out as a kid, it's, it's weird and you start out and you have this like, um, and you're pretty good as you progress through school and and stuff like things just get more and more competitive because more and more people kind of find their niche and find where they're where they're good and where they're going to be a good athlete and so 
Um, and I've seen this time and time again with a lot of the younger athletes, um, like the little kids that I coach too, because I coach kids from like eight years and, and up. And if you, they start out good and then all of a sudden, like each year they progressively, they don't get slower, but they're not placing as high in the meets. And it's pretty discouraging um, for them because they kind of, they're not having that success that they used to have and stuff. And so it's, it, I think it feels weird, but for me, it was kind of like, yeah, there were other people coming into the sport. It was getting more competitive in high school. Um, but I still continue to have success. And like you mentioned, I never made the state meet in track, but you know, I was improving and, um, I was still like cross country. I made it to state. Um, and that was, was really good. Um, but I was having success and enough that, you know, I was going to stick with it. And I knew that that was my sport. Um, and then, you know, I didn't know that I was going to run in college, but I, when I was taking school visits and stuff, I was looking at schools where I could potentially run and I was recruited for some. Um, and so eventually I ended up at Cornell, which I was recruited for running. Um, but I was looking at it as mostly, mostly an academic, um, sort of thing. I was going there first for school, not for running. Um, and I got there and started to run and, after, you know, a couple of months or so, I realized the only way that I was going to get through an Ivy League college was to have this support system of a team around me. And that's why I stuck with it. And I was, you know, and I was having success too. And it was, it was nice to be not lost in the crowd of a big school like that. And having that team around me was really cool. And I had, you know, a, that support system, but friends, um, and I don't know what I would have done in school without that team. And so I stuck with it and kept working hard and training hard and, um, and continue to see success through improvement and stuff like that through college. Nice. So, uh, why Cornell uh, rather than other schools? Um, uh, cause the brochure that they sent me had a climbing wall on the cover. <laughs> so so, so you, I was like, you've always liked climbing as well. I or? don't know. I don't know why I've never really been a very big climber. But there's something about that sport that really, like, enthralls me. And, like, I just, I like, I don't know, I just like that idea. Yeah. And I've started climbing a lot more recently. Um, and it's really fun, you know, just because it slows everything down. Um, and I've been doing it with some friends of mine going to the gym because it's the winter in Bend. And so it's been really fun just to kind of get to hang out with, like, kind of a different, a little bit different crowd. and um, But still doing it under, like being in the outdoors and, and that kind of feel of being a dirt bag basically. And, and so I don't know what, I don't know what it was, but yeah, when I got that, um, I got that brochure in the mail from Cornell and there was a climbing wall on the cover. I was like, Oh, that looks cool. <laughs> Let's check it out. And then, you know, I wouldn't say that's the reason I went, but that was definitely the reason that I, it was it even entered my consciousness. And that was the reason I applied, I would say. And then I, I was recruited, took a visit. Um, I kind of wanted to try East Coast, so it was kind of between that and West Point. And I decided on Cornell. I was standing at the mailbox with both um, both of my letters, like, you know, the, the I don't know what, what that letter is that you say you've accepted oh, yeah. that. Um, and at the mailbox, I'm standing with both of them, and I dropped the Cornell one in instead of the West Point one. So ended up at Cornell. Well, and you studied engineering there? Yeah, that? chemical engineering. Okay. So it was a t very, very tough four years of school. Um, barely made it through that. And um, I imagine, I mean, you, you talk about the, the 
social support of a team, but was the training significantly more rigorous than what you had done in high school or how was that transition? It was more structured is what I would say and smarter, um, which is why I kept like, I got to see that improvement um, in college is so the first year I was under a different coach. Um, the last three years that I was at Cornell, I was under um, Jerry Smith. And so going in that freshman year, it wasn't significantly harder, but like I said, it was smarter. And so we had targeted hard days. Um, you know, the things that everybody now knows, <laughs> I didn't know that in high school and neither did my coach. And so, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where in high school, I would just go out and hammer every single day. And so I never hit my potential, yeah. um, which made it even better in college when I could actually, you know, go into training and, and listen to a coach, get a good advice and train correctly. So then I started to see a lot of improvements because I was training correctly. And in the end, you know, the last three years that I was under Jerry Smith, like hard ass, like really difficult, um, really pushes you and knows how to push your buttons. And at least for me and got the most out of me. Um, and so I could kind of realize that potential. And so that was really, really hard. And, and I ended up burning out, um, after college and I couldn't, I couldn't run after college. I had to take a couple of years off because I was so burnt out because it was such intense training, but also with the schoolwork and stuff. I mean, you know, you're in college and it's an engineering program. So I'm getting five, six hours of sleep a night and trying to run a hundred miles a week on it. It's like, I mean, I was, I was beat, I was done. Um, and so I couldn't continue on like that. So I took a couple of years off of running after college and that was the best thing that I could have done because over those two years, for whatever reason, like my body absorbed all of that training that I'd been putting in for the past four years. Um, so that when I started back up, um, I was just, I was so much better than, than I, than I was when I ended college. I, I jumped back into some cross country races and stuff and, and I was beating guys that I couldn't have dreamed of running with when I was in college, things like that, just because I was eating better, I was sleeping better, and I was still training, um, you know, I was training smart, I was training the way that I should be training, so. And were you self-coached then, or did was someone guiding you at that point? No, for, the, for those first couple of years, I was self-coached. Um, I was just kind of going off of what I'd done in college and stuff. And so I was basically replicating that. Probably not quite to the extent that I was in college, but at that point I didn't really need to. I was still building. Um, and so, like, you know, I just wasn't putting in the kind of mileage. Um, but I had a very structured training plan. It's like of easy days, workouts, tempo runs, intervals, long runs, stuff like that. So... Um, that was all structured um, when I was training myself, and then it was only later on when I started to be coached again. Okay. So when you when you design your own training, um, do you feel like you put your engineer hat on? And I mean, do you how, how do you how do you think of uh, your training? It, it, do you do you measure it by miles? Do you measure it by time? Do you measure it by vert? Or does it depend on what you're training for. Yeah, it depends on what I'm training for. It, it, you know, it's funny, like you, you think of, I don't know, I think somebody from the outside <clears throat> looking in at me being an engineer from Cornell, um, as being a very like type A person, like I would plan out everything to the T and know exactly what I was going to do like three weeks from now. It's like, well, like, you know, we've been talking, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Like we're just kind of like winging a workout. We don't even know what we're doing. 
uh, that's that depends on what the wind and the snow do well right? yeah totally it's the it depends on what i feel like depends on um you know like what i think i need going into a race in two weeks like what the weather's doing i don't know just kind of everything and so um my approach to training um the last couple of years has been just winging it um and it, you know and it works pretty well like i'm not saying like i'm like not training hard and I'm not doing the things that I need to do. I am. Um, but I do like to have that flexibility of like, ah, shoot, I need another easy day. So I'm going to go run, you know, I'm going to do a double the day of like eight and eight or something like that and get in 15 to 20 miles, but it's going to be easy. And then tomorrow I'm going to do that workout, um, that I'd been planning on. And if I have a training plan written out for the next four or five weeks or whatever it is, then I've got to scrap all that and kind of start over and, or at least push it all back. And so it becomes, um, a lot harder in my life if I try to plan stuff out to the T, um, you know, without taking into account everything else that I have to do. Um, it's just, I, I'm just at this point in life, I'm too busy to, to be able to do that. And, um, and while training and stuff is still focused, it's, it also, uh, takes a backseat to like other things that I need to do with the family or with other things that are on a deadline for work uh, with the marathon or my camps or whatever it might be. And so um, I tend to wing things a lot more now. And, you know, tomorrow's workout right now is a little up in the air. We're either going to go do a like a, a tempo run and we're going to do a flat one or a rolling one, or we're going to do one that starts out with a two mile climb and then run up a peak. 3,000 feet? I don't know. It's going to be one of those. It depends on if we want a Strava record or not. <laughs> well, if there's going to be a Strava record, you'll be the one getting that. But um, <laughs> the uh, either way, our heart rate's going to get up. And, yeah. Uh, and we'll, 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 bre we'll be breathing hard. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing, right? Is like some people really like put a little bit too much. Like this is from my point of view. Like take it for what it's worth. But put too much stock in exactly what they need to do and not enough stock in just working hard, getting their heart rate up, um, and, and getting some work in basically. Yeah. So do you use a heart rate monitor when you train or race or? I do. Yeah. Um, when I, when I train specifically on like tempo runs where I really want to know what range I'm in, okay. I will use a, a heart rate monitor. Um, I, I don't use it as much on easy runs cause I'm pretty good with my effort these days. It's like, I know if I'm going too hard or, you know, easy enough, basically interval workouts. I don't tend to use, I do tend to use one, but I don't tend to look at it. Um, those are, I just kind of want to know after the workout, what my heart rate was getting up to. Okay. But for the most part, I'm going off of effort for an interval workout. I just want to run hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like races, I've found them like with mountain running races in particular to be really, really handy or ultras in particular. Um, only because it prevents me from going too hard very early on. Yeah. I've noticed I have a tendency like, Oh, like the first five miles, I feel great. And I'm running up this 3000 foot climb. Like, I, I go too hard and then I pop and blow up later in the race. So I really want to like make sure that I'm controlling my heart rate early on in like a longer ultra or something where I've got a big climb like that. Um, so I found it to be pretty, pretty useful in those circumstances. Okay. But you're not staring at your watch every 
30 seconds or a minute to look at your pace or your heart rate most of the time unless you're no trying to keep the heart rate under a certain yeah definitely not pace unless i'm doing like a targeted long run where i'm worried about pace but for sure like i'm i'm rarely ever looking at a heart rate monitor or the pace um especially if i'm out for an easy run or something yeah just a couple couple of runs that are very specific that i want to make sure that i'm in that right zone yeah yeah that's really insightful and refreshing so (laughs) thank you (laughs) so it's it's impressive that you're able to turn that that need to measure and and have precision off in your brain because i i don't think some people think that it's possible to do that and and i I think if you can do that, I, I think most others can probably do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely a personality thing. I've I've never been like super type A where I just need to measure everything. Yeah. Even being an engineer, it's like like I've never been like that super like anal, like have to get everything perfectly right, which maybe makes me not a very good engineer. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know it's like i want to do a good job obviously if, especially if i'm working in engineering but it's like yeah it's it's close enough it'll be fine as long as it'll work you know yeah. and so like my grandpa um he was one of those like type a like had to be perfect like if it wasn't perfect like we were going to spend all day doing that one little task and i built several things with him we built a bicycle um, yeah, we built, you know, things like shelves. We built, built a Pinewood Derby car when I was really young. And it's like, grandpa, dude, it's good enough. Just <laughs> let it go. And like, we'd spend, you know, all day on this one, maybe like one little curve, just getting it perfect. And it's like, grandpa, grandpa, we need to get this done. Let's just, it's, it's good. It's fine. Let's leave it alone. And the Pinewood Derby gets pretty competitive for the parents oh, or we, grandparents. We crushed sure. it. We crushed it. I got disqualified. <laughs> because it was too good because my grandpa apparently helped me too much on it but i did all the work he's the one that he just told me like here do this and i did it and then we got disqualified wow. man we were like doing everything we were sanding the wheels yeah. to like take the little burrs off the plastic <laughs> and make it smoother i think we we did something with the axles to make it like yeah. smoother when it goes through the pine you put some some sort of primer on there i can't remember uh what it is yeah yeah. but but i mean you know and this car was like it looked like a race car so the aerodynamics were perfect it was we we sanded down like you know probably 600 grit sandpaper like prime the thing and then gloss black it was beautiful It's, it's such a nice car. Did you melt fishing weights and like put those in to weigh it? In we did. Yeah. And, well, it's got to be a certain weight, right? Yeah. So we, we took, you know, the seat was a fishing weight basically. And we, I think we hammered it down or something like that into, into the shape of a seat and then cut it exactly to be, you know, that the right weight and stuff. Yeah. So, and I did all the work and just, they, all the parents are like pissed because I crushed their kids in Pinewood Derby. And so... I got disqualified, but you know, that's my grandpa and, and I'm very much not like that. You know, it's funny because it's like, oh yeah, it's good enough. It looks good. And so I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't have that type of personality to where I have to measure everything and it's got to be perfect. Do you think that's maybe why cross country or mountain running or trail and ultra running or steeplechase? I mean, you've, you've done quite well in all of those. Do do you think that that might draw you there because it's sort of like get the job done so that you can then get outside and <laughs> maybe <laughs> kind of get away from the structure. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's definitely possible. I had, you know, fair share of running track and field yeah, for years. Yeah. And, 
um, that's all pretty meticulous mm-hmm. as far as like you're running, um, you're running quarters down to the second, yeah. um, and coaches getting pissed off at you if you're a second or two fast or slow. So it's like, that's very meticulous. And, yeah. um, and I, I don't, I don't have quite that appreciation for being that exact. Like, I just don't think it matters all that much, but, um, I don't, I don't know if that's why I like those different sports. Um, I kind of feel like it's more about like, I kind of like the messiness of some of those uh, events and I, I like being outdoors, which is why I like trail running better. Um, I, I find like steeplechase and stuff. I find just, I think that it's, um, it's alternative to track. It's like different. It's mm-hmm. the, it's the black sheep of the track events. And so I think that's why I kind of like, like that. And I'm drawn to that. And also like fits, um, I don't know if it, it fits my abilities. Like I'm better at that sort of thing than just hammering out like a particular pace, like a 5k. Yeah. Like, and I always was, I don't know if that comes down to my personality or not, but maybe <laughs> who knows. Um, so you were, you were an all American steeplechaser at Cornell. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Qualified for nationals there. And then I remember watching you at, would it be the 2012 Olympic trials in Eugene? Um, yeah. Yeah. 2012 was in, uh, steeplechase in that. Yeah. And, and then you also ran the marathon trials. Was it that year in 2016 or both? Both years, both years are, both those years are in marathon trials. 2012 was, it was in Houston in February okay. and then track was later in June. Okay. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do it at all? I mean, how do how do you, how do you structure your training so that you can be a successful steeplechaser and also obstacle course racer and marathoner and hundred miler or hundred K world champ or Xterra world champ or how to... I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact answer to that. I mean, a lot of it comes down to ability and just being able to have the fitness to do all those things. But like in the, in the end, it's all running, you know? And so I, I really, I really do feel like shoot, if, you know, if you're a runner and you're a distance runner, like you've got the range to do all of those different things. It's just that they're very specialized. Like when you get down to the nitty gritty and you really want to do like really well. And, you know, did I ever hit my ultimate potential in the steeplechase? Probably not. Did I ever hit my ultimate potential in the marathon? Probably not. If I had tried to do that, I don't think I would have been running at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. I would have been burnt out. I, I, I just am the type of person also that um, I, I wasn't able to like really like spend years and years on one particular goal. And so once I hit that marathon that, you know, in 2012 and I hit 214 in the marathon, it's like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm really getting to close to my potential and I don't think I've really hit it, but I'm within 3% of it or something like that. And it's like, it's going to take me another five to 10 years to really get that, that other 3% out of myself or a different pair of shoes or a different pair of shoes. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) fitness wise too, though, I was lacking a little bit like that 3% of fitness. And, um, I just don't, I didn't want to take the time to try to do that. It didn't sound like it didn't sound enjoyable. It didn't sound like something that I really needed to do. And I wanted to move on and try new things. And so jumping into like after 2008, jumping into some trails and some ultras and stuff, 
like that was like it gave me this like whole new challenge of like <clears throat> all right i'm starting at 70 percent, and now over the next couple of years i'm going to gain 20 percent on like toward my potential and then spend another couple of years on that next five percent and then after that it's like well that last like little bit like two to five percent it's like it's going to take you another lifetime to master it's like man i don't it's not something that i really want to spend my time doing i guess and that's that does get down to my personality of like yeah i'm not like a perfectionist i'm not like a like a spend all day on one little task sort of person mm -hmm. i like getting like learning or doing 95 percent of it and saying to the last five percent yeah that's good enough and, and moving on to something totally new yeah and, and i don't know it keeps my life more interesting and um keeps me more motivated to keep going and doing doing what i'm doing like in the running world yeah so well, I mean, still an A, and it's, it's better <laughs> than an A minus. You know, it's a, it's a solid A. Solid A, a right? Yeah. It'll get you into Cornell. So, yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, speaking of of that, you you are a, a chemical engineer, uh, correct? Um, retired. 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 Um, you you retired at thirty one. Is that correct? Yeah, around there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something, something um, like that. So. So what do you do now as a retired engineer? Um, uh, a lot of things now. I mean, I'm so far out of that world, I can never go back. But, <laughs> you know, they still use, like, what's cool is, like, you know, like, the whole schooling thing and stuff, it doesn't really, I don't feel like it, it gets you your first job out of college, but it doesn't, like, set you up for life. It's It's more about, like, what that does for you is it gives you a way of thinking like about everything that comes along in life later on. And, and that's really what like an engineering program, um, like at Cornell or, or any school, really an engineering program is going to set, like it's going to set you up to think a certain way and to solve problems a certain way. And that's what I've carried on, um, through the rest of life and stuff. And so, you know, now I'm running, um, which is cool. Um, I get to run. That's part of my job. Um, I've got running camps going, um, which is awesome. I probably feel the most proud about the running camps that I've been able to put on over the last few years. Um, just trying to get more people and um, with a focus on youth out mm -hmm. in the outdoors and learning trail running and how to how, how to kind of take care of themselves in the in the wilderness, basically. Um, and then took on the Ben Marathon last year, so race directing that with a friend of mine. Um, and so we've got that going. And so, you know, doing some race directing, some camps, working in a running store, running, you name it. I, have that, I don't know. I think I have 12 jobs. So Nice. So yeah. probably don't ever get bored with what don't, you're doing. <laughs> I don't get bored. A little bit of boredom would be kind of nice every once in a while, actually. Yeah, you're here on vacation, and we're both we're working, working right? throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're working now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your camps and, and, um, that's one of the things that stands out to me, um, with you as an athlete. I mean, you've a couple things, I guess. Um, one, you've, you've run faster than, um, well, I'm, I take that back. There are other people who have faster track PRs than you, um, quite a few, uh, and many, yet, many, 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 <laughs> and I mean, you've run quite fast, but, um, but there are a lot of people who, who have run faster five K's or 10 K's than you on the track and, and can't even figure out how to get like a gear sponsorship. And so to me, it's pretty cool that 
that you have found a way to retire from your job as a with the degree that you went to school for um and still pursue something or multiple things in in this um in this space of running um and uh, um i do think like you said you were taught to see see the world a certain way and think about things um through through your engineering background but i um i think it's admirable that you have found a way to do that because there aren't there are opportunities more opportunities than i think when we first graduated from from college um but certainly yeah, yeah certainly in trail running and stuff for sure yeah but it, i mean i when i was living in flagstaff i mean like everyone i met was faster than me like it, <laughs> like you'd go to a bagel runner like oh there's 50 60 guys here that like f men and women <laughs> that have run faster <laughs> than me on the track yeah um and and not that i like get a lot for the running that i do but but even just teaching people how to finesse those sponsorship things and yeah. that people probably aren't going to come knocking on your door you kind of have to yeah <laughs> to to be willing to put yourself out there and do something um, yeah. um not just for yourself or in your own brand but also show that show some value to the the people that are going to invest in you and um i don't get the sense that that's why you do the camps um yeah but i i, I mean you've been you've been working at steen's running camp for how long uh, 11 or 12 years now okay. this might be my 12th year up there so and that's a camp that you attended as a yep as a as a high school high kid like okay. uh, going in my sophomore year i was up there yeah it was yeah i don't know changed my life yeah honestly what about that changed your life like uh I, I don't know i mean so <clears throat> steen's mountain running camp it's a like if you don't know, I mean, it's a running camp out in southeastern Oregon, way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's, you know, the one of the things that they say once you get out there is, you know, this is the third biggest town in Harney County. And it's true. It's like that running camp during those two weeks is the third biggest town in that county. Um, and, you know, it's it's because, well, it's 180 kids every week. So we have probably 200 to 220 people, which is not a lot that's kind of says like a lot about the county is it's very remote. It's Southeastern Oregon. There's not a lot out there. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's, it teaches these kids like so much about themselves. Um, that when I was there, I like, it took me a little while to realize it. I was a young, naive sophomore kid and didn't realize it at the time, but it, it changed my life in the, in, in the respect that I, I, took that and realized that I love hard work. I like, you know, the wilderness. I like, um, being self-sufficient and having to do the work yourself. And, and, and that's all like what track and field and cross country is about is, is doing the work and put, putting hard work in and then taking care of yourself. And, um, I don't know, um, this camp you're out in the woods. Um, it's not a trail running camp. It's specifically cross country, but yet you're, out running running through the sagebrush you're running trails you're dirty there's no electricity in camp there's um a creek running through that you bathe in and it's just like it's so rustic it's it's awesome yeah and it just teaches you a lot about yourself when you're out there because these kids who are out there if they have any excuses at all um they're either going to need to figure it out um or you know they're not going to make it um and most of the kids that are out there, it's tough on them. And they figure out that they, um, they have a lot more in themselves than they give themselves credit for. And they figure that out over the course of the week. And so it's the most positive, um, like 
personal life-changing camp that I've ever been to. Um, and that's, that's why I've been there for the last, you know, 11 years and helping out because it, like, it was one of those cases where it, you know, definitely changed my life and my way of thinking, um, along with a lot of other stuff, but that's why I went back and started working there and, and helping to foster that next generation of, of cross country athletes and, um, and just trying to make, um, you know, make these kids better, better people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apart from again, your many successes as an athlete um, and as a coach, um, that has been something that uh, has stood out to me, both as as someone that has been mentored by you, um, befriended by you. Um, uh, as, as a runner, um, I've looked up to you for a long time. And um, so I through, through a mutual connection at Steens, I think that's how we initially met um, mm-hmm. from our friend Marty. Um, and then from there, you know, you, you helped me prepare for some of the, the trail national 50 K championships that happened to be in Bend for a couple of years. Um, but also you were willing to let me join you when you happened to be in town when I was in town as well. Um, but, but beyond that, um, when I was living in Oregon, I was coaching high school kids and, and many of them were running against the, the kids that we're living in your neighborhood or the, the kids where, that I was actually training and yeah, running with. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and yet you knew, um, that, that a large majority of the kids that I was coaching couldn't put shoes on. I mean, they, they, they couldn't afford to replace shoes as quickly as they were running through them. And, um, at the time you were a shoe buyer. And so you had a lot of opportunities to sample shoes, but you were also a sponsored athlete. And, um, a number of times, um, I, returned to Hermiston, which is similar to where you describe, um, Steen's mountain camp. <laughs> it's, uh, lots of sagebrush and not a lot of people. Um, but a lot of hardworking people, um, yeah. just yeah, not a lot of money. And so, um, uh, countless kids were able to stay healthy and, and run through high school because of those very generous donations of either slightly used or, or brand new shoes that you donated. Um, and in fact, a couple of weeks ago after Hag Lake, where we we ran, um, I was able to meet up with one of the kids um, who honestly probably wore at least six or eight of the pairs that you donated. Um, and he, no one in his family's ever even graduated from, uh, had never graduated from, from college. And I, I think he and his sister were the first to graduate from, from high school. And... Uh, he just graduated with a degree in accounting um, from Portland State University. Uh, his name is Alejandro Cisneros, and uh, in addition to the degree, um, I think he has three school records from Portland State. And um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, run twenty nine minutes for for ten k, and um, you know, low fourteen <laughs> for five yeah, k, and and kids from from where I'm from aren't expected to do that, but spe- especially kids coming from where he comes from. Um, weren't expected to do that. And, um, I mean, I did everything I could to pour my heart and soul into, to him and, and his teammates, but, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't provide the shoes for the whole team. And, um, you certainly helped him and, and a lot of his teammates. So oh, cool. really appreciate that. No, that's, I mean, that's what I like doing though. Is like, you know, taking kids like that who are really hard workers and you know that inside they're willing to like put a lot on the line, um, for, for a sport or just to be a better person. And that's why I like Steens. That's why I do the camps that I'm doing now. Um, that's why, you know, give 
I give away my shoes um, when I can, um, just because I like I like I like hard workers. I you know, and, and they have a soft spot in my heart, and um, I always want to do as much as I can for kids like that who are willing to put in the work, um, and especially when they don't have a lot of money um, to be able to do the things that they want to do. I, I feel like you know that's a that's a great way to to uh, I don't know just to help them. I don't know do something like just uh further further their passion for something that they love to do especially when it's running and stuff which you know like you and i know like running is not the easiest thing and so when i see a kid out there running because he loves it like that's pretty cool to me and i want to help that kid like as much as i can yeah so. well thank you for for mentoring me and for mentoring and contributing to to the sport yeah. that way um helping so many people um in that respect um, now, now at your camps, one of the things that stood out to me is, is that there's an emphasis on, on stewardship of, of the trails as well. It's not just wilderness survival, but it's actually like, take some responsibility for, for the environment. And, um, can you talk a little bit about what you, what you have your participants do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so, you know, as like one thing that I wanted to do when I was forming my camp, I knew that I wanted to have trail running as kind of a focus. And I took a lot of the stuff that we do out at Steens, um, and, and kind of transferred that and used some of those things in my camp. Um, and like Steens is very much like a cross country focused camp on getting kids ready for cross country, but also like changing their way of thinking about things too. I always like to say that Steens is more of a mental training camp too, than a physical camp. And so I wanted that component in my camps too, um, but I wanted it focused on trail running. And so we developed a lot of different things that maybe like people don't think about when they go to camp. Like I want them to come out of a, a running camp being more knowledgeable um, than when they went in, not just having the opportunity to run some cool trails. That's great. But I want them to have more knowledge um, leaving my camp than when they came in. So like I want them to learn while they're there and I want them to um, kind of hopefully leave seeing things in a little bit different way too. Um, and that is where that stewardship comes in. I think we really take for granted all of the trails that we have in the U.S. Um, and how they got there, who takes care of them, um, and all like everything surrounding that, our, our natural environment. And so I really want to instill on the, the, the youth especially, uh, but also the adults and the adult camp too, um, I want to instill in them that appreciation for nature, um, the appreciation for the trails that we do have that get us out into nature um, and make sure that they're contributing to to maintaining those and building those. And so that's why we have that stewardship day is like we'll talk about um, we talk about forest stewardship and um, why, you know, there's trails certain places, but not other places, um, different land management practices between like wilderness, BLM, forest service, um, different things like that. Um, and then we go out for the afternoon and we actually do some trail maintenance on a trail. And whether that's, um, we've done everything from like just bushing out a trail um, where it's eh, not, not too hard, fairly easy, but we're just kind of trimming it up, making it more runnable to actually full on building a trail. Uh, we were in Tahoe a few years ago and we full on built a section of the trail. And I mean, you know, you have 20 kids out there, um, makes, you know, pretty quick work of half mile section of trail. And so we got through, you know, 
like trail work is hard. It's like you have 20 kids, you're working for a couple of hours and we built a half a mile of trail. That's not very much when you think about how many miles of trail is out yeah. there. Um, but, um, and I think that kind of shows them, you know, and, and you bush out like a mile section of trail, it shows them how much work it takes to maintain these trails that we're on and that we continually take for granted out there. So that's why I have that in there. I really want them to, to kind of see that and stuff. And, you know, other things that we learn, you know, all the other stuff that we're learning at camp, um, between like the navigation, um, learning about themselves by, by having them be out there all day, managing their food and their resources. Um, and all of that stuff, um, is all pretty important when you're out there trail running, especially if you're out there in the wilderness running by yourself too. So stay safe. Yeah. That's, I think that's really cool. And, um, I, I know of, we have some, some friends who have sent kids to your camps. Um, our, our kids aren't quite of the age or have the interest, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, we, when the time comes, I'd like to send, uh, some of our kids to, yeah, I hope so. to one of your camps. Yeah. So where can people learn more about either the adult camp or the or the kid camp. Yeah, my camps are at um, it's just maxkingtrc.com and it's Max King Trail Running Camp. You can search for it on the internet too and it'll pop up, but all the information is down there, kind of explains like our philosophy and what we're doing with the camps and stuff and then um, all the registration stuff. There's still spots left for both the youth camp and the adult running camp this year. Uh, youth camp is in July, July 6th through the 10th. Um, the adult camp is September 16th or 17th through the 20th this year down on both of them down in Mount Shasta. So okay. spectacular trails, lots of ridgelines, cool rivers, big mountains. It'll be neat. So sounds like a blast. Yeah. It's a pretty area. I've really only ever driven through it. Um, but I, I'd like to spend some more time down there sometime. Lots of trails. It's yeah. cool. It's yeah. really nice. Um, so do you have a, a favorite distance or favorite discipline or favorite surface that, uh, to compete on or to train on i mean you know honestly like i i always go back to like the favorite thing i have the favorite discipline i have is cross country i just i love though i love running fast over you know natural terrain and so that kind of and cross country is fun because you're in a big crowd you know running with a lot of other people and stuff and really competing and so you know, usually I don't like people very much, but, um, I, I like cross country because I do like competition. And so you're running against all those guys, you know, over, over whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, muddy conditions are my favorite. Um, but you're also like just charging and running fast. And I like that. I love that feeling. So, you know, some of my favorite races have been like either cross country races or even trail races where you get into kind of like a head to head competition with another guy or a couple of other guys. And, you're just running your hearts out as hard as you can go all the way to the finish line and you cross and turn around or they turn around and wait for you to get in and you, know, you see them come across the line and you guys hug and it's like it's just like it's cool to have that camaraderie between athletes um competing athletes and knowing like what you just went through and all of that hard work and stuff and so that that's kind of like why i like that sport and because it always feels very competitive while you're in it Whereas, you know, ultras and stuff, I love running out on a trail. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, but an ultra 50 miles to hundred miles, it, it never really feels quite like a race to mm -hmm. me. It feels more like a survival run of like, okay, I just need to manage myself long enough to get to the finish line faster than the other guy. 
Um, and it never really feels like a very head to head competition. And that's why I like those shorter distances better. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I love going out for a long trail run, um, just to be out in nature and enjoying that, that aspect of it, but uh, just different, you know? Yeah. Well, I apologize that, uh, the last time we raced, I didn't really give you much of uh, much competition. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> you're trying to slow me down so I didn't get your record, man. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who don't follow the very obscure sport of trail and ultra running, um, Max, your second uh, ultra that you ran was the Hag Lake. It might have been. It was yeah. really early on. Yeah, and... 2010. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. So, yeah. 2009 or 10, I don't remember exactly where that was in, in those early days because yeah. I'd run a couple of them, but that Hag Lake, it might have been my like second 50K. I don't yeah. remember. So Max set a, a course record on a, a pretty well-established kind of early season run for ultra runners, at least the Pacific Northwest. And so quite a few people have run there and Max set a record there. And then um, a few years later, I kind of found the sport <laughs> for probably some of the same reasons yeah. um, and and ran that race. And then a few years after that, I, there were really good conditions and I was kind of, I, I think probably in the best shape of my life. Um, and so <laughs> the stars aligned, I was fit. Uh, the high school kids I was training with were really fit. So they were pushing me a lot. And um, I got really lucky and, and lowered the mark of, on the 50k and then yeah um, it took my record away from me <laughs> which made me feel really good but it also kind of scared me because i <laughs> i never saw myself as being uh that good and uh and then we both returned um this a uh, couple weeks ago yeah um, after seven years after you did and it's been 10 years since i last ran the race so yeah. as 10 years ago i ran that race it's crazy that i've been doing it that long yeah but and, um, you know, we, we both ran at CIM, uh, two months prior to that, um, yeah. you kept running, <laughs> um, I took like over a month off <laughs> and so I was kind of debating whether or not I was going to do the 25 K or the 50 K, but it was like, I'm going home, I'm going to Oregon, going to go see my people. And then Max decided to crash the party. And, uh, well, I didn't, it wasn't even on my radar. And then I saw a, po a Facebook post from you saying, oh, I'm going back to where it all started. I'm going to go run Hag Lake. And I looked at the Facebook post and it was about, I think it was a week before. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, I kind of feel like I should run Hag Lake. And, I might even try to get that record back that Jake stole from me seven years ago. So I emailed the race director. I go, hey, can I get in? And she's like, yeah, come on down. It'll be awesome. And so I was like, okay, I'm running a 50K. It's like, oh, this will be actually be really good because running that US 50K or 50-mile championships in, well, now it's a week, but by the time this comes out, I don't know when that'll be. But yeah. um, And then I was like, oh, it'll be a good long run before that 50-miler. And so I was like, oh, perfect. All right. That's, that's good. And Jake's running. Like, I'm giving him a ample opportunity to, to keep his record intact. I'm not, like, snaking it out from under him. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's basic, basically how it happened. So. Yeah. Well, um, kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning, what I think is impressive is 10 years after the fact, you, you're able to come back um, in possibly even less than favorable conditions and, and break a record that you yeah that you set when that, you were coming off of steeple yeah. and marathon training well and, yeah i was like in 2010 i was full-on in marathon training at that time i was probably in i don't know 214 shape 
because I I probably would have been running Baltimore like the next year or something like that, and okay. and I ran two fifteen there, so I was probably in uh, you know at least two fifteen if not two fourteen shape when I last ran that. But the thing is, is I didn't know anything about ultras or 50ks and so i probably yeah. didn't need it all either <laughs> yeah. and i bonked i remember bonking pretty hard like the last couple of miles and like staggering into the finish in that race and yeah. that certainly didn't help my my closing time but uh you know i was also running the course really hard and really fast and so to come back 10 years later and be able to you know run that first loop fairly easy and then the second loop of the course like just kind of charge hard and and still and get that record like it makes me feel pretty good about you know where i've come in the last 10 years and stuff so yeah i i'm still amazed um i i was not i'm not in the shape that i was in 2013 <laughs> hoping to get back it always there. comes back it, yeah, come, it comes no, it, back it, it will come back these last two years for me man i was so far out of shape like at cim and then you know look at two months later after some good hard work and the body's feeling good like back in i feel pretty good i feel like i'm back in pretty decent shape and um, you know, a week later and I, I would have been in the master's category at Hag Lake. So you would have been fine, but <laughs> I would have got one of those cool mugs. I know, I yeah. know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So happy birthday. So now, oh, yeah. now Mr. 40. Yeah. So. Thanks. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, so you're clearly fit. You've got 50 mile championships. I, I think you'll certainly be competitive in the master's category, but I certainly, I, I, I think <laughs> you'll, uh, I mean, Gary Gellin might show up and he's, yeah, he's, he's always strong on, on that runnable stuff. Yeah, um, I know. So, and he's in that area. I got to so. watch out for Gary. Yeah. He's been a little injured recently too. He's asking me for some advice on his feet, just like I had last year. So yeah, he's, he's coming back. I know he'll be back. So yeah. good. Um, so the the U.S. Marathon trials just happened this past weekend. And yeah, I know you were in a, in a ski race over the weekend, so you didn't get a chance to see it. But what do you think of kind of how things went down? I I don't know. I mean, some things were surprising, and other things not so surprising. You know, it, it's funny. Like, I don't. I'm not. Well, I don't run as many marathons as I used to, and so I'm definitely not like focused on the sport as much on that side of it as, as I used to be. And so I just, you know, some of the names, I just, I, I don't know them anymore. You know, they're younger guys coming up. And I, of course I know, you know, the guys I used to run with who are still running and still in it, but there's a lot of, a lot of new talent coming up, which is kind of cool. And the guys running really fast. And, um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, keep track of it as much as I, as much as I used to, but there's some surprises in there and stuff. And some of the, some of the, like, even on the women's side, like I was surprised, like not to see some of those names up higher who were really, you know, kind of considered favorites going into it. Um, but that, yeah. that's what happens. Like you have five to 10 people who on a good day could ta could take top three. And then, you know, whoever has a bad day and blows up, like they're out the back. Um, you got to kind of put it out there and, yeah, um, it's hard to finish in those spots like five through 10, because if you're really putting it out there and going for top three, you're probably either going to make top three or top five or completely explode and be out the back. So, you know, that in some respects, it's not too surprising not to see some of the some of those guys and some of the women um, who are favorites be way out the back or even drop out. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what was really interesting to me though, is how many people are uh, like made the trials this year. Oh yeah. You know, just 750 people. 
like in those races, like yeah. that's in, that's insane. That's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of depth and a lot of people running pretty quick. Yeah. So what do you think that can be attributed to? Like, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously better training. Um, you know, people, what we've always said and, you know, when you're picking kind of that, that standards, that standard, that time is that people will always run up to that standard. Um, and we saw that in the last trials, um, when the times were a little bit faster. And then this time we dropped the, dropped the times or raised the times to be, you know, a minute slower on the women's side and a minute slower on the men's side. And, um, and it just creates, you know, there's a lot more talent in there in that minute gap that people can make now, um, that they maybe couldn't make four years ago. So yeah. it's just, um, yeah, people, people will run up to that, up to that mark. Yeah. It's not just at the super elite level either. I mean, it's that way with Boston qualifiers as well. I mean, every year you usually have to be at least five minutes ahead of what the actual standard is because right. that many people are are stepping up yeah, to the and challenge. Yeah, those keep getting faster every year too. And yeah. people will still keep stepping up to that challenge. And so just how hard you want it, you know, yeah. and that's what it comes down to. So That's great. Well, um is there anything that you're you're excited about um, in the sport, or or with your future in the sport? Like how how do you how do you see this this going for you personally? Like what would uh. be your goal as a <laughs> as a runner or as as someone that's part of this community? I don't. I mean, you know, who knows? Like I <clears throat> five years ago, would I have told everybody that I'd be here doing this? Like what I'm doing now? No, probably not. So I don't know. In five years, I don't I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Um, but I'm just kind of taking it day by day right now. It's, it's still a lot of fun to me, um, especially the, the competition side of things, um, while kind of developing those other aspects of camps and race directing and stuff like that. So continue that, but I also want to keep competing. Like I still feel like when I'm healthy, like I still have that fire inside and I still want to work hard and I still want to see what my body can do. And there will be a point where, you know, I'll be declining and like, I'll probably say, yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably good or, you know, maybe I won't. And I'll just kind of keep working hard until I'm 70. And hopefully I'll be still doing this, like running, not maybe this fast when I'm 70, um, but still running and having fun with the sport. Um, that's my main goal is, is to make it so that it's always fun. And so, you know, that's, that's what I want to see. Um, whether, you know, whether it's still competing hard in five years, I don't know, but definitely still racing and still running and stuff for sure. So keep it going as long as I can. That's my goal. Yeah. Are there any new sports or parts of the sport that you think you'll, you'll dabble in or that you think you'll do more of, or um, kind of more of the same? Before you uh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's funny. We can never predict where things are going to go, but like there are, changes within the sport that happen all the time sometimes for the better i would say usually for the better and sometimes maybe not but um for the most part like you know things that i like trends that i see kind of coming that could be interesting to me or like and and, and this is kind of one that's already happening too or just fkts it's like you know fastest known time i mean those guys on on that side are going to be excited but um i like that aspect of it you where you're you, you know, I mentioned like, you know, I like competition. I like head-to-head -head competition against other people. But I also like kind of like seeing what I can do on a particular trail on a particular day against 
the predecessors who have come before me, you know, and, and doing it all by myself out there um, and seeing what kind of time I can post, even not running competitively against other guys. And um, I actually see like, for me, that is more motivating in a longer ultra to do that kind of thing rather than getting into a race. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I like the adventure of it, of being out there alone. And so I kind of want to um, swing into like doing a lot more of that adventure type stuff, um, in the future. Um, and so I don't know, uh, like whether that's a, like a trend that'll continue or not, it's like something that I kind of want to start getting into. Um, there's a lot more of those like type of like adventure type runs too, that would be fun, like the Barkley or, um, some of the other ones that are happening around the country that are very, very obscure, um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that don't appeal to anybody that, that appeal to me so um and just just bigger adventures and stuff like that kind of getting out there alone by myself and seeing if i can't get a little lost i i got us lost yesterday on what, know, yeah, what yeah. should be a pretty well established trail but the snow just covered it all i so. felt like it was a pretty good adventure you know yeah. yeah it was supposed to be recovery one hour it ended up being over two but hey <laughs> Probably could have covered the distance in about an hour, but yeah, it's a pretty good run though. That was nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and um, share your knowledge with our listeners, and uh, more than that, just what you contributed to the sport and what you continue to to do by giving back to the sport. So, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. This episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast is brought to you by the Feed. The Feed is an online sports nutrition store based out of Boulder, Colorado. The Feed offers a large variety of sports nutrition products, recovery tools, and supplements for endurance athletes. As an Art and Science of Running podcast listener, you're invited to become a Feed VIP and receive 15% off all your orders. That's 15% all of your orders. To become a Feed VIP, please visit clubs.thefeed.com forward slash art science run. Don't worry. If you can't remember it, we're going to put the link in the show notes. But that's clubs.thefeed.com forward slash art science run to receive 15% off all your orders at the feed. Thanks again to the feed for supporting this episode. So once again, you can um, you can listen to the Art and Science of Running podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or essentially anywhere else where you can find podcasts. Uh, We'd really appreciate it if you would listen, rate, and review the show. Let us know how we're doing. Let your friends know uh, if a particular episode might interest them. Um, Please subscribe, and uh, this will help others hear about what uh, we're trying to share as as a free resource to the world. Um, And if you want to follow us on social media... We're on Facebook as Art and Science of Running. Um, there's, a, there's a page and a group. So if you'd like to be part of the interacting with the group, there's an Art and Science of Running group. It's, it's open to the public. And that's where we'll, we get some of these questions that we discuss um, in addition to just the work that we do day-to-day with athletes. Also, we're on Instagram and on Twitter. So if you just do a search for the Art and Science of Running. Um, and then our website is artsciencerun.com. And uh, we're, we feel like there's a need for these t- conversations amongst ourselves, but also um, with some of the other experts that we're able to bring in. And so we welcome your questions and hope that these are helping. So.
I don't know where I'm going